Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them about their start in industry, what the influences are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and the second half we focus on the game we're here to promote. And in this case, it's Steve Jackson's Sorcery, parts one and two, by Inkle. So, we've got John Ingold and Joseph Humphrey. Do you want Hi, to introduce Tony. yourselves? Yeah, and uh, tell us what you do in, at Inkle and uh, how you got started and that sort of thing. Well, uh, it's, it's John here. We yeah. started Inkle about two years ago. Um, Joe and I met working at Sony PlayStation making console games. And we kind of got a bit tired of the way the console industry worked and the sort of projects we got to work on. And we, we thought, actually, we, we want to have a crack, or, crack at making things of our own, our own way. And we're a bit odd for a games company because we started off actually talking to publishers and looking at ways to make kind of books and reading experiences and interactive reading experiences. So, and we, we did that with a, an app called Frankenstein, which we released in... Oh, like a million years ago now. Um, and that did quite well. But that kind of, we, we released it and we liked it. And we thought, oh, this is interesting, this this interactive story thing. But actually, we quite want to make games, really. So uh, we moved on from that. We built on what we had. And so we make kind of a sort of text adventures and they're sort of adventure games and they're sort of reading based and they're sort of role playing games. And Sorcerer is this big mashup of things. Um, and that's what we've been working on for the last half year. So my name's Joe Humphrey, uh, and uh, yeah, as John said, uh, we both come from the the console game industry. Um, I I had uh, four years at Rare and two years at Sony, so I've definitely kind of braved the lands of the the first party developers. And and to be honest, I got a little bit sick, uh, so I definitely wanted to get out and work on. Yeah, something I could really get behind, something I could really believe in that, uh, as John said, is kind of story-based. And, and John has this text adventure writing background, and I just, I just want to make uh, games that have kind of deep experiences and have really strong story mechanics that are kind of really intertwined with the gameplay. So kind of the, the basis of Inkle is, is like I've got a writing and narrative background and Joe makes really, really beautiful apps. And we put those together and we've actually made text adventures which people can play in the modern age <laughs> and which don't feel really retro. And yeah, has been because, quite exciting. Because I've, I've seen this stuff where the people releasing, you know, Zork, for example, and they just shove it straight onto the iPad and go, off you go, play Zork on your iPad. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is a bit 1979-ish. Yeah, it is. It is. And we it was kind of great see back then. Every video game genre that people just assume that they can take their existing genres and put them on portable devices, uh, you know, uh, with with only touch screens. And so, whether it's a, a platformer or a first-person shooter, yeah. I'm kind of not not a fan of that approach. I, I much prefer kind of creating an experience which really belongs on that device. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun for us to kind of start designing. Because, I mean, we, we started Inkle when iPads were just about becoming sort of fashionable. You know, people were just stopping to say, stopping saying, well, it's just a big phone. I don't get it. Mm. Um, so we've kind of been designing touchscreen experiences when there weren't that many out there. And that's been really, that's been really enjoyable. Actually, mm. that's been really interesting. Um, and okay, kind so- of a whole new... 
types of design. Okay, so that leads me on to my third question, because you've done you know, who you are and how you got started, but it looks like you started off very much as part of working for very large teams. Yeah. Um, a lot of people I've encountered are actually so far started as a single or two or three man band, and then they've carried on like that, which is mm. quite interesting. But you've come on <clears throat> from, as you say, the mainstream sort of environment, so you were doing a certain task in a certain team, and now... Um, so that's how you've got started. So that's cool. Um, but what are your, now this is a big question and you can answer it however you want to, but of course you can, but, um, what are your biggest influences you believe? What are the things that you glom onto that finds it's always finding itself in your output? What do you think? Both of you, what, it's a big question, but what, what are your influences as your creative people? I mean, uh, taking it initially just from uh, you know um, video games in general because obviously we'll have influences from all over the place but um, I mean I grew up with loving adventure games like Monkey Island and uh, Myst and all of those kind of things um, and I, I just loved the feeling that they're, they're these kind of games that you could you could take a film and almost play play the film and I think I've grown out of um, that that feeling of wanting to be inside a film, even if David Cage hasn't. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't. I, this last title, I wasn't that enamoured with. Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely that feeling of uh, kind of exploring a, a world and the, the escapism, but kind of having characters to uh, talk to and. Um, this this world to inhabit. It's, I just I just love. Yeah, like for me, it's it's there's a lot of different games that I really like and will rave about. And from sort of spread of genres, I've never really been into first person shooters or driving games very much. But pretty much anything else, there's there's at least one game I like. But they always they're games which bug me because I think oh if you just if you just push that a little bit further you can make something really special so you've got a lot of adventure games where a lot of the time you're back walking backwards and forwards collecting broomsticks and standing on crates and things and that's not actually that gripping but every now and then they have a great moment that just makes you go oh this this could really be something yeah. it just it isn't quite yet um so but actually the, the biggest influence on everything I've done is is text adventures it's the infocom games of the 80s which i played as a kid and played to death as a kid and really got quite sort of hooked on that it took me quite a long time to when i came out into the real world and started working at sony it took me a long time to realize that normal human beings cannot and will not ever be able to play text adventures and that's okay (laughs) (laughs) it's not a a good tutorial or a manual it's just not gonna happen we have to do something else i'm gonna sum my age here really badly but i've done it already but my earliest like realization that i adore adventure games and as is was when i played the hobbit um, this is a text adventure game on the spectrum, and mm. I was more enamoured with finding out the new pieces of graphics they were going to show as we, as my, me and my friends tried to get over this almost impossible game because it's very hard uh, because the parser was odd. You, you could do full sentences. I'm sure you know this, um, actually, John, but you could do weird full sentences, but it didn't quite work. It was it was a bit of a hodgepodge of all sorts of things. But anyway, the, the parcel was, was okay, but I was more drawn to seeing new things than solving the puddle. The puzzles were a means to an end, the yeah. end being the exploration. 
And I've always approached every adventure game like that. I've always seen a puzzle. Not so much the joy of solving the puzzle, but more something in the way so I can actually move on and see something new again. That exploration. I'm very much an explorer. Yeah, no, is, there's there's something about the very old text games that's really charming. I, playing yeah. one, it, it's a bit like being an Egyptologist and trying to decipher hieroglyphics, <laughs> and you've yeah. kind of got nothing to go on. But every time you get a little bit worked out, it just feels incredible, like you've discovered this thing from this stupid machine. Yeah, yeah. and the book- that's one of the problems with playing text adventures now is that we kind of expect computers to be quite helpful and easy to use, and that. So yeah. actually, it's very easy to lose patience really fast and. It, for exactly that reason that you say you want to see something new and when i was 10 i would happily spend a week working really hard to get something new and, and now i'll probably spend about 15 seconds working to get something new and if i don't see it then then it's very hard to stay focused and it's it's just ridiculous i don't know where why we lost it but we did we had a lot of patience back then and just to to, to feed back into that and, and i'll just we'll probably touch it again when we talk about sorcery but it's that Oh, that's what I'm getting from the game, and that's why I like it so much, is the fact that you do get that sense of exploration. Even though you see the entire map, it doesn't matter, yeah, because yeah. you only actually see what's immediately in front of you. Yes, you can zoom out, but you, you're still, you know, so anyway. Yeah, I mean, well, I, yeah, I guess you want to talk about sorcery in the other half of your program. I'm mean, Sadly, yes, yes. Definitely something we were thinking about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I littered the show with the bips, don't worry. Um, but uh, the focus <laughs> will be... So th- there's a couple more questions, and we move on. Uh, will be, uh, who do you most admire in the industry at the moment? It could be a uh, company, could be a person, both. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first on that. Um, I, I don't know about at the moment, but... Um, the, my favourite game designer of all time is Jordan Jordan Mencher. Oh yes, uh, he's a genius, and like he's such a genius that I keep discovering games of his which I always meant to play and never got round to, and then playing them and discovering that not only are they totally different than what he made before, they're also still brilliant. So he's just, most of it's uh, Prince of Persia, isn't he? Oh, yeah, Prince of Persia. Yes, and, yes. Um, and the Prince of Persia remake, which was sort of the first PlayStation game that I really got hooked on. Right. Um, and but recently I started playing uh, The Last Express, which is an adventure game from the mid nineties. Oh yes, that was an Amiga game, I it's think. It's amazing. It's stunning. It's absolutely it's entirely stunning. in real time. The writing is brilliant. Just yeah. like characterization and dialogue is absolutely top class. I've never seen anything that good. It's mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. It's far too hard as a game, but that's not that's quite fixable. It's all you know. It, it's really close to being to being really just a perfect piece of art and no one's played it, which I don't really understand. Um, I beg your pardon, I have. Sorry. Well, I mean, but no one's about you know, people say, oh, can we do dialogue and characters and games? And you go, yeah, Last Express, yeah. 10 years ago, did it, nailed it. Like, yeah. nailed it. Yeah. Um, Shocking. So, yeah, I kind of, every time I pick up one of his games, I just sit there going, okay, you can blow me away again now. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Show me something else that's cool. Um, so, yeah, that... Um, Good answer. Good answer. What about you, Joe? Um, so I think um, I find it hard to pick any one particular developer or person. Okay. And I've kind of I've kind of been really attached to certain certain developers or certain categories. Maybe um, uh, I started off as a, a massive Bungie fan, so I, I've played everything since uh, Pathways into Darkness to. To myth and kind of stopped as they as they see went you up. played myth as well when I say this to people go what yes really amazing tough really hard RTS yeah. game 
It was amazing. So, yeah, Yeah. I absolutely loved myth. Um, And as a teenager, I just... I spent all my time creating maps for myth because I just loved the fact that you could just create a massive kind of beautiful uh, texture in Photoshop that would become the terrain and then kind of extrude it into three dimensions. And then you had your own little world to to kind of uh, play a strategy game over. And that I, I, that I, is I kind of that. what we nicked And that's kind of what we do. I just, I just love that. Um, but I mean, nowadays, I mean, I kind of lost touch with mainstream games a little bit because yeah. I, f- I feel like then they're, they're not really doing anything particularly new anymore. Um, but play, so to play stuff like Gone Home instead. That's great. Yeah, exactly. So exactly, <laughs> I was just going to say I'm, I've, I've basically moved on to uh, basically the loving the indie scene in general and uh, games like um, Waking Mars by Tiger Style Games and. Um, and people like that who are just making these really nice uh, adventures and all new, like kind of blended uh, genres that uh, are just really great. And really tight experiences as well. Yeah, that's absolutely. what's so great about the that, indie scene. And that's, that no one has the scope yeah, to, to produce these bare mothic random exactly. they, they have to be really pared down and quite efficient and really built yeah. with the, the resources that's available to them. Which leads us on. So the final question of the first half is, is uh, what are you two playing right now? Because I always like to hear what, what developers are playing and on top of what, of course, they've developed. Um, you know, uh, I do hear someone go, oh, I only play my own stuff. Really? 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 I hope not. That's, I hope that's not true. I've never heard any developer say that to me, though. But uh, So what, what are you two? What's, the, what's uh, distracting you right now? Um, well, I have to admit, I haven't been playing that many games recently because I've mainly been testing sorcery. But um, I have just bought a brand new iPad, and so I've been playing around with some of the latest uh, title iOS titles like um, Oceanhorn, which right. uh, which is looking good. Uh, it's quite no- quite nostalgic and. Uh, everyone says it's great, and I still to get, to get really into it. But um, but it looks like it's a really high quality game. So what's it about? Uh, I, I can't I can't say I actually know what it's about. But it's There's basically this Zelda in the ocean. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, so you're, you're not, you're it, not playing it, ridiculous fishing or anything like that, or n- no, I'm afraid. Not. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, no, actually, I am. I I have been playing with um, Clumsy Ninja. I have to okay. Say. Uh, slightly embarrassed a bit, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Um, I mean, well, you can play tabletop. I mean, tabletop was also counts. So if you got anything like that, if you played any 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 card games or board games that you want to talk about, that's cool. Um, we do get developers saying, "Oh yeah, I've been playing Kemet or something like that." Oh, well, that's true. I mean, I did I did go to Carcassonne and brought back a copy of Carcassonne. I've been playing. <laughs> it's fantastic, actually. Yeah, it's, really yeah. Cool. That, that's a. I'm terrible. I love that game, but I'm just so bad. I just go. Hmm, <laughs> I've got because I'm my way of playing games is I'm very active. Um, so when I'm playing a board game, it's the worst thing you could possibly be because I would go like when I'm playing something like Agricola, I go, "Oh, shiny," and I go. I buy a pig. Like, why are you buying a pig? Because it's a pig. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> like, well, yeah. That won't help you. Like, like everyone else playing my go to, to for me. Like, no, Chris, you really want to buy some fences? No, but I want the pig. 
you know, and you know, uh, it's it's um, yeah, very frustrating for me. No, I'm I'm really like that with board games too, because yeah. yeah, I kind of do things that I think might look cool. Or yes, cool. especially in chess, you kind of go, oh, I want to do something. I want to do something dramatic now. It hasn't been yeah. dramatic for a while. I'll do something dramatic. And but like, no, there's that problem that you you can always see after you've done something stupid how you could have seen in advance that it was stupid and you didn't yes, yes. and that, i find that quite a downer <laughs> and then you look at everyone else and everyone else is looking you're going oh God, I'm, I'm i'm not stupid really i'm not i just like shiny things is that a yeah, exactly <laughs> i kind of settle on like i'm not stupid i'm just careless yeah. <laughs> so what about you joe you play anything of note apart from what uh, i have a six-month-old daughter so i have very little time to play games but i've settled <laughs> recently onto assassin's creed 4 well um, okay that's for a that's bunch a- of reasons like i've always wanted to make a pirate game or like for the last four years of my time at sony i was banging on about making pirate games and how it'd be a great setting for a game because there's lots you can do Sid so i got- knew how to make them so yeah well Absolutely. yeah it, it, it may happen i think it's a taken niche at the moment though like assassin's creed really kind of has nailed it slightly well but, yeah the problem with assassin's creed is the if i may say this is it's it's, it's the conceit when I'm playing Assassin's Creed, I know I'm in a VR simulator. It's it's always there. There's always the underlying tone. I mean, it's not a spoiler. Because I find the opposite. I find every time I come out into the future world, I'm like, what the bloody hell is this? It feels like I've been interrupted by a car commercial when I was in the middle <laughs> yeah. of my pirate. No, I feel a complete inverse. Because whenever I see some yeah. glitch or some weird stuff happening, I go, oh, it's okay, it's a, a simulation. And I'm just like, this is just a simulation. I mean, it's okay. This is, this is not actually me doing this. This is just me lying on a bed. Excuse and, for the game having, like, clipping problems. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, that's why I thought it was genius. I was thinking, yep. It was like, you can have clipping problems, you can have people, you can have crazy, you know, ragdoll physics where they go flopping around around the place. It doesn't matter. It's just a simulation. That's so, yeah. you know, and so that's how I always think that. And, and, and this led me to find that side of the game more interesting. I know, I know. But, the you know, the near future side of the game? Where yeah, you... the, the bit they put quite a lot less effort into. Yeah. I actually find the backstory to that way more interesting than what I'm actually doing in the main game. It's like, you're a twisted man, Chris. But anyway, so yeah, how are you finding it? Well, I, I think my problem with Assassin's Creed games has been the same since the first one, which is I can't be doing with the whole assassination stuff. It's 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 a bad idea, badly executed. The stealthing That's around is rubbish. The killing people is so quick. Yes. Like it, You just play it and you go, you know what, this is Thief did this really well. And you've just kind of made Thief but worse. But everything that isn't assassinations and assassins, I really like. So it's the it's the fact that the people queue up to get punched in the face is a bit weird. It's yeah. like it's like kung fu movies where everyone's dancing around you, taking turns to punch you in the face or attempt to. Well, it's just that it's the kind of le- levels where they say, "Well, you need to sneak up on that guy." So you crawl around in some bushes. Yes. And like, if you step outside of a bush, you die immediately and get reset way back to the beginning of the level, which is quite frustrating. And then when you finally reach the guy, there's a cutscene where your character stands up out of the bush and all the guards start running at you. And you go, okay, so it was arbitrary then, wasn't it? 
Um, but no, I, I it's a simulation. It's a simulation, Chris. Doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> I, I don't mind it in four so much because all the stuff around it is quite good. Like the sailing yeah. boat around being a pirate, I'm really enjoying. I like the setting. It yeah. does bug me because I'm sitting there going, you can make such a good pirate game if it just had a bit more of a plot. Like, you know, you go to an island and you find a guy who's been stranded or a treasure map and you follow the treasure map and then you meet the governor's daughter or maybe like multiple protagonists who come together in some interesting way. You could do such a good pirate game yeah but the plot's in the car commercial i'll just explain that yeah i know <laughs> just, like it, yeah well I, I can see why uh, ubisoft they they've got a little team making a pirate game when it gets good enough the assassin's creed guys come along going right we'll have right. that Whoop. yeah <laughs> and then they'll say right car commercial time and in two three four <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, okay. So you end up with this really weird game where there's this pirate swinging around, punching yes. Blackbeard and shooting yeah. down ships, and then occasionally going, now we must go and kill some Templars. And all the other characters in the story go, somewhat. What? <laughs> what um, are you well, I have to say this again, Joe. It's a simulation. So it doesn't matter. All of the stuff, all of the inconsistencies, all the bollocks, it doesn't matter because it's just you in a VR suit. God help them if there are any glitches <laughs> outside of that that, uh, that VR. <laughs> yeah, it's basically Oculus Rift minus the vomiting. Anyway, um, so but yeah, no, I've been enjoying that. I've been it's, it's kept my interest much more than the previous ones. Excellent. So let's move on to something far more interesting. Let's move on to the second half, which is indeed talk about sorcery. Steve Jackson's sorcery. Just give us a bit of a pitch on, on what the game is. You've already discussed it briefly, but uh, I know what it is. And indeed, I did an interview with fellows and it was published earlier this year. But we gave the listeners about Sorcery, please. So when we started working on Sorcery, it was a game book. It was a paper game book from the 80s with choices and dice-based combat and a little spell system and sort of 400 paragraphs. And you made decisions and you, you walked through it. By the time we finished, uh, we don't really know what it is but we kind of settled on it sort of a tabletop role-playing game narrated by the ipad so you explore across a 3d landscape with a little model counter dude and or woman or woman yes exactly yes. Yeah, we updated that recently which is which was really good it's been interesting watching that actually it's about we're about one third one third female two thirds male are players now looking at the the analytics and what people choose yeah, I can't so, do the gender swap thing, but anyway, you carry on. Yeah, <laughs> I always play males. I know some people do it, but you know, I'm not being. You know, I'm fine playing Lara Croft and stuff because you're forced upon you. But if we're given a choice, I always play male. Uh, anyway, if I play female, I genuinely play in a different way. Oh yes, of course. Weird. I can't explain. Um, but there do, we go. Yes, so so carry on. So like I said, anyway, it's, yeah. It's so an adventure. It's not a choose your own adventure. That's the thing, though. It, because yeah. a choose your own adventure, it, it gives you story and you just pick which bit to read next. And that's just not what's going on. It's really an adventure game narrated in text with a really strong forward narrative momentum. Mm. It's 
Because it's, it's, it's very granular, isn't it? There's yeah, lots exactly. and it, lots it, and lots of branches. This is more it like does a, make sense to call it a game book because a game book just, you know, you, you don't expect to make very many choices. It's quite relaxed. Whereas our thing, you're really taking a decision every single paragraph. Uh, book two has got something like 10,000 branches in it. Um, it's more like a vast bushel than it is a tree. <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's this huge spiderweb-like thing. No, it's not spiderweb. It's worse than that. It's it in just, a good way, in a good way. To be honest, it, it, most, it plays mostly like an old text adventure in that you can pretty much type anything at any point and do anything and walk through scenes in a way. But from a narrative point of view, it's much better written than most text adventures were. And from a visual point of view, it's gorgeous to look at and really nice to handle and manipulate. Um, and then it's got a proper combat system, which is strategic uh, for sort of dueling monsters. And it's got a spell casting system, which is a sort of little puzzle mini game thing, which can really kick the story in lots of different directions because you can cast these spells which have ludicrous effects. Yes. And it all ties up with a big, strong forward narrative momentum. Lots of your decisions have impact uh, and the ability to rewind and explore as much as you like if you want to or just power forward if you, if you don't. So it's... Uh, it's an interactive fantasy adventure. That's what it is. It is an adventure. It is fantasy. And it's interactive in a way that like very few things manage to be, I think, in that you really it's, can get in there and muck about it's with funny, it. It's funny, though, how, how we're claiming to make a video game and we have to explicitly state that it's interactive. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I understand, it's yeah. It's a it's, game. <laughs> I, I've, I've been playing it a lot. Um, uh, the second part is fantastic. I congratulate both of you because I think thank it's you, a real... You. A real build-up on... Uh, I do believe the first one was more like a preview. No offence to yourselves, but... Uh, I, one, I, we had to do a lot of work just to get the legs under the table to you mm, know, get in shape and make sure that yeah. the thing's going to work and that we yeah. can do it. And then mm. for, the, for the second one, we thought, OK, let's really... Some yeah. people complain the first one was too short. And I can see where you're coming from. If you ignore most of the content and power through it, it, it can be done quite quickly. Mm. So we thought we'd really sort of see how far we could push it. Yeah. Same the amount of work that generated though for the second book we we got a massive problem in the middle of development just a few weeks before release actually where the game could no longer load the story file because the story file was too big to fit in the working memory of the ipad so we had to stop loading the story and start streaming it in and out which is the same way that an open world game handles its environment like right. load the bits you need and throw away the bits you don't need and given that it's text, it's text. that's insane <laughs> <laughs> like uh, we're just bits isn't it it's not even bytes it's just bits yeah, i mean that's exactly. that's a lot of i'm right in saying that i'm not being ignorant now i think it is each character is just a bit and it's just yeah it, uh, that's astonishing that's huge it, it is it is properly properly massive and the closest i've seen of that is i've had a once a, a, a spreadsheet go i'm sorry no i'm not loading anymore why because i'm too big <laughs> 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 i'm now going to implode <laughs> So yeah, I've, uh, so, I, I empathise a little bit on that. But wow, that's yeah. One of the that the game does is it remembers every single decision that you ever made. Mm. Like you say, it's very granular. So there's thousands and thousands of decisions in a, in a playthrough. So we started to find that the save games were getting so big that it was taking seconds to save the game. We fixed that as well, but um, yeah, it's been quite mammoth really and we're both just a little bit shell-shocked and exhausted <laughs> and you've got two more paths to make but more yeah, later exactly. um, <laughs> <laughs> <Can't be that. laughs> so um which leads me on to my next question really i think it does i'm gonna say it does um how has the fan base of the original book received this new in, uh, uh vision of it because it is not a straight copy at all it's definitely 
you know the content and the spirit is still there. I can, and even and the drawings as well, which are glorious and it brings back lots of lovely memories for me. But you know, personally, there's, you know, I am a fan of the original, and this is a great translation of it. But how has generally has it been received? Yeah, I think like one of the because I I'm I'm a huge fan of the originals. That's I was pretty excited when we when we got the thing, um, and kind of uh, in designing it, we we were trying to going back to that sense that one had when you were ten years old playing one of these game books when it just felt like a an infinite space you could explore. And one of the things I think we were really clear on was that if you read the game books now as an adult they just don't feel that wonderful there's the nostalgia but as an object itself it, it doesn't have the compelling flavor that it had when no it's of its time there are many things out there that are of their time so uh, yeah we thought we what we wanted to do was capture that sense of magic and the only way to do that was to make something which was much more kind of evolving and much more alive and much more flexible um and I think I like to think we've captured some of that sense of, of it really is a, a game you can go into and, and explore moment to moment and really be in this this bizarre world that Steve created. And um, and a lot of the feedback that we've had from fans, I think, suggests that we did manage to do that because people sort of write to us and say, this is incredible. This is better than I remember. This really recaptures that sense of what I remember. And people get lost in it and they get quite excited by the fact that it's got new content or that it's been brought to life. You know, we get the occasional email who says, well, you've changed the bit on page 32 where it's supposed to be. But really, they're, remarkably they're quite few. quite rare, yeah. Remarkably few. Yeah. Um, That's excellent. Yeah. The, the biggest pleasing element of that really is the combat system actually because that was our most controversial change like fighting yeah. dice based system it ran through all the books it was kind of one of the hallmarks and and when we released part one uh, i think we surprised everybody by not having any dice in it at all yeah because um the tin man games bless them uh, you know, uh and uh, his, his chums they made their fighter fantasy games and or books and they do have dice yeah. rolling across the screen to the point where you can hit the, underneath your your device and carry on rolling the dice just to cheat. Yeah, that, that's kind of Tin Man's thing. And yeah. He didn't want yeah. to go the same way as them. And partly we wanted to make something, again, that just felt like it had a lot of life inside it. So Yeah, I remember when I first played it at PAX East and um, you were quite surprised that I glommed onto it quite quickly. Yes, um, well, sorry, um, it was a bit weird. But. Yeah, that, yeah was, we, we hadn't really shown it to anyone at all and we didn't know what we had on our hands. <laughs> yeah. Right, and then you saw me just like demolish this fellow, like, right. <laughs> You play games then, Chris? Yes, sorry. I, just, <laughs> I can see. But you should have been pl- pleased about that. It's a, there's yeah. a really nice, you've really captured the risk-reward element of, of combat because that's if you get that wrong, you know, and there's a lovely part where you can actually say, do you want to do this again? Because, you know, yeah. you may not have gone, you may have survived, but you've only got three hit points left. I'm just saying, you know, you probably, you know, you've only got three stamina left, I should say. And like, yeah. it's, but um, it is very much, you know, you've exposed yourself or you withdraw, you get a, like a, it's, it's a lovely little system where you just have these well, two characters fighting against it, each other. It's a good example of that thing we were talking about, about touchscreen specific design. Because yeah. you, know, you want something where you're in control of one thing, it's really clear what it does, but it's expressive as well. So yeah. your mechanic is sliding your avatar left and right and, if you slide them towards the monster, you're going at them. And if you slide them back, you're defending yourself. And that kind of makes sense. And it also feels quite sort of 
evocative of what you're actually doing. So when you go for that killer blow and you wallop him across the right, there's a real sense of I'm doing a finishing move here. And I think more so than when you hit like X triangle, triangle square on a, on a console pad or something, there's that real sense that you're, you've actually done it. You've actually got this dueling. Yeah. yeah. I think we're really pleased with how that fell out, I think. Um, and the animation of the character and the drawing of the character is excellent as well, of, yeah. of both of the creatures. The, of yeah, the... our artist, um, Eddie Sherman, he's a comic book artist, who got, had the horrible job of getting the original illustrations from the original books, which are often quite crazy and weird. Mm. Like, see that character? Just give us three or four animation frames of that character. And then he'd be like, but that character can't possibly stand up. He's got yeah. any legs. He's got a huge hat. What is this thing? It's like, who drew this and what were they doing when they were drawing it? Because <laughs> I'm just saying... Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that. But um, no, I do love the artwork and the fact you've retained that element as well. But yeah, um, let's just talk about the. We talked about the navigation and, and the map of, of the world. Now you actually gave me a copy of the map for the first part, which I actually yeah, stuck yeah. on my office walls. Oh, oh, yeah. We yeah. really need to get that. <laughs> of the second one yeah because the second one is gorgeous Mike oh really, really that'd be much. lovely if you could because I've got the first one here on my office wall well, and, we'll, we'll uh, have to see what yeah. we can do Chris yeah. I mean this, the press corruption is quite a serious issue isn't <laughs> it, it is it is yeah. uh, but, but you liked sorcery did you <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um, the thing is if we'll talk about moving swiftly on yeah I'm not as if I'm getting a three xbox that, that happened at one <laughs> no, so i think microsoft gave away televisions or something and then all all, all the press went what are we supposed to do with this you know we can't take them we can't take this stuff um but uh anyway um just want to talk about this map and the fact you do see the whole world that you're going to explore don't you in the game yeah you open up and you can actually see the whole map but you only you only interact with where you happen to be yeah, so we kind of showing the whole map is one of those things that you do at the start of a fantasy book. It gives you that sense of, oh, there's this interesting world. And we like the way that it means you can look at the details and say, oh, I wonder what that is. And I wonder how I get there. And I wonder if I can yeah. get there. Because one of the things in a game book experience is it's very difficult to get an overview of what have you missed and what have you been and how branchy was it. Mm. Whereas having that map there, we can we can show definitively this is a big world, there's stuff to explore, there's stuff to find, and there are places you haven't been. Yeah. But obviously it's a game, we don't just let you go anywhere, we constrain it. And that constraint is is what gives it such a strong story over a straight open world game where you can just go anywhere. Um, yes. That's what lets us really sort of create a narrative that's going along because it's the story of how do you get to the place that you want to get to. There was one particular section in the first part, which um, sadly we can't reveal anything because anything, I'll spoil it, but towards the end it was in a hut with a person in it and I kept on going back going I'm sure I can do this better because yeah. all of that encounter could be I wasn't satisfied I I got through it and I, I can do this another way I can do this and profit from it or something like that mm, yeah. uh, my typical style of play is annoyingly a bit like a paladin um, to, to the annoyance of my fellow players when I'm D&Ding and stuff like that I'm generally the man going don't do that. <laughs> it's not right. And uh, much to like, I'm just having fun. No, stop it. And, <laughs> and, I, and I play uh, many adventure games like that um, to, to, the, to like, the distraction of others. And, but in this particular instance, when I did that, it was bad. It, it didn't go... I, mean, I usually go through these ethical decisions. Like, okay, well, 
try to empathise. How would they like it? Well, okay, I won't do it then. And that's how I that's how I play. But it doesn't always work um, because you know the characters and the creatures you encounter aren't actually human nine times out of ten, and uh, or the spirits and that sort of thing. And they do some very horrible things. Like, or maybe I should blast them in the face with a fireball then. <laughs> I think I really like about the original sorcery world is it is this extremely capricious word that well that's always out to get you and, yeah um yeah. we were talking about this at the start of the second book because i sort of you know submitted the first sort of draft of the design and joe sat down and started playing it and he was like well um i went to this fountain and it said that it was going to kill me so i didn't drink from it and then i ran out of health and died and it's just a bit hard and i said oh you well you should have drunk from the fountain it would have you know would have healed you and Joe said, but it, but it told me not to drink from it. And I was like, yeah, well, this is sorcery. If it tells you not to do something, you'd better do it. Bloody <laughs> do it. Yeah. It's just... like, but John, that was the tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, very, that's true. Actually, tutorials don't normally lie to the player, do they? <laughs> no, no. That's the kind of game sorcery is. Like, um, and that's what gives it its risk, I think, if it just went around telling you what to do the whole time. It would, be, it would be dull. And yeah, exactly. I do, I do find that every decision, no matter how benign, has some gravity to it. It mm. could be like, look at a building, or do you want to move on? The way, the way it's sort of titled, like, just ignore it. I don't know. It's got stuff, it's got smells coming out of it. I know. But do you want to move on? Or do you, I'm just yeah. saying. I it's, mean... It's- it's really tough, isn't it? It yeah. sits there and goes, look, you can look at the building and we can move on. You go, well, can't we talk about this? And it goes, no. No. <laughs> no, you're going to look at it or you're going to move on. And you're going to tell I'm going to wait here until you tell me. And you go, oh, well, it's awesome. got smells in it, therefore death. I'm moving on. You know? <laughs> exactly. And then you That's move on. I, yeah, yeah, you you move and on. you say, well, well, was that the right thing to do? And the game says, well, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you have to find out. You can put your finger in the page and just say, oh, maybe I'll just go back to that one later. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... Um, I think that's kind of what I love about the structure of the game is that because you're never quite sure what the the correct path is, it does really, truly turn it into a maze. And if you are a a real fan of it, it means there's a lot of value in kind of being able to backtrack and find the golden path. But at the same time, I mean, it it does support, um, you know, just going on, you know, the, the first path that you try um, to a point until, until it, comes, it, it, it hits you over the head and kills you completely. <laughs> oh, doesn't it just? <laughs> yeah. That's just the sense of making it an adventure. You know, an adventure is a, is a series of episodes where everything causes the next thing and it rolls along and has its momentum to it. And I think the fact that every time you take a little decision, you have no idea whether it's going to be nothing or whether it's going to have a massive consequence right now or a massive consequence later. Mm. And there are thousands of these things. I think that that's the experience that we're capturing and that's what makes it compelling. And, and one thing we found from reviews and from people we've spoken to is that, you know, some people pick it up, they don't get into it, they don't like it, that's fine. But the people who do get totally gripped the looking at our analytics, the length of time that people spend playing this thing in one session is sort of 20, 30 minutes on average. Like, um, on but, but, but for the, actually for the, that's, that's taking into account, that's being weighed down by the people who just open it for a, few a minute just yeah, to just check something. And it's actually the, the average for, for just genuine gameplay is, is more like 40 minutes to an hour. Yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. So, and sort of, 
but this is from you know this is for a mobile game this is mm. like for a game. oh yeah it's extraordinary um, it, it, and it grabs people and i think that's mm. because it's really not like anything else that's out there which i think is why we just we can't really describe it as a game book because it it's something else than that i think mm. Mm. Um, it's too granular it's too that's why i keep on saying that word but it genuinely is yeah gives you far too many choices and it's not so binary it's like on off it's actually well, there's gradients of success. You can actually go down a path a certain way. Actually, you know, you can just go off now at this point. It's okay. You've got so far, you can just yeah. sort of bugger off. I mean, that's happened a lot where I've just gone so far, you know, thinking, you know, I don't like the look of this personally. It might be fun and interesting, but I actually want to survive. So <laughs> I'm just going to backtrack and just move and just take yeah. it. Not backtrack because that's going backwards, but actually just take a turning off. It's a lovely, there's lots of that where it just gives you the opportunity. Like, do you really want to carry on doing this? Because you know it's going to lead, don't you? <laughs> that, is, that is the classic sorcery choice, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Are you sure um, you want to keep doing it? I'm, I'm actually in the midst of that at the moment. I won't, won't talk about it while we're recording, maybe afterwards. But uh, okay. is this one incident? Like, really? What's going to. Oh, come on. It was obvious. Um, which leads me on to. Uh, well, it doesn't really, but I want to talk about the revised spellcasting system because the first book, the first version, had this odd 2D thing where you had to reveal letters underneath big spheres. Or, or under these little circles, and now you've got these this sphere system. Could you talk about what you've done there with the spell casting? So I guess we just, we decided with the um, yeah the, the previous system where you where you look through the the holes, and the idea was that the, it, that the uh, the app had kind of torn holes in the fabric of of your app or something, and you were looking through to see the stars. And we yeah. liked we liked the system and the idea the gen. The, the way that you you create the spells by putting letters together, but yes. especially on iPhone, it's just a little bit too fiddly, and it was probably the part that we were the least fond of, especially going back when we started Sorcery 2. Um, and so we just wanted to really kind of up our game with the feature and and kind of use the same mechanic, but create something really beautiful and a lot easier to use and that uh, kind of encourages experimentation a, a, a lot more because people are saying that um, it's really frustrating that they can't just kind of look 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 up a spell in the in the spell book. Whereas this time we really want to try and help you to find all of the spells that are available and then let you make the decision about which one you want to cast. And it'll kind of keep you informed about whether whether a spell will will or won't work if you don't have the right item for example because we just thought that's that's not actually that much fun to kind of mm. find that um you know you, you 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 want to cast a spell and then it just kind of says no that didn't work yeah. is, we'd rather you just kind of found good solutions because spell casting is really fun when when you find yeah. the good solutions yeah, yeah. that was very much a change from uh as we started to move away from the books, I think, because in the original books were quite unforgiving. It really was. You were supposed to memorize these spells. And so there was this element of just sheer blind luck when you were, were casting one to see if you had the right things for it. Um, and we sort of tried that with the first one, but I think it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't really successful. Whereas in the new system, the emphasis is much more on trying to discover what you can do and not 
wondering whether or not you're going to be able to do it mm. so when you find a spell the game will tell you explicitly this is going to work right now or it's not going to work right now but what it doesn't tell you is what the consequences of it will be yes so you're looking at a spell and it's saying oh this one will cause drowsiness and i haven't i've got the item for it and i can give it a go but is that really what i want to do or the is there most, something better in there? the most beautiful moments are when there's a slightly odd spell for the situation mm. and you kind of predict in your mind what you think might happen and then when you try it and it does what you you kind of imagine might happen and that's just beautiful when that happens yeah I, I mean i take great thrill obviously in putting in spells which are there deliberately to trap you so you know you'll be standing in sort of knee deep in water and there's the spell to create quicksand but of course quicksand in water isn't going to work is it <laughs> no no um um, uh, just to, to clarify to them listening, uh, the way spells work is you actually select three letters or three characters, uh, and then that invokes a spell. If you've got a reagent, sometimes you don't always need a reagent, but they at least cost you some stamina, basically hit points, to cast. And uh, um, they they only occur. You can can't cast spells willy nilly. You can only actually cast spells when you're given the option to do so. But it happens very very frequently. Uh, and you have a spell book that has all these three characters that describes all of these things, but you don't have it to hand. You don't select the spell and then cast it. You have to remember, as a sorcerer would, what the spells would, the characters would be. And uh, it's it's, in, it's an ingenious sort of system. And uh, the amount of times I've just put in, oh, let's try that. Well, that might work. And it happened to me during the, a play session. It's like, Oh, just try these three letters and see what happens. And something incredible happened. Uh, and it was really a nice surprise. Like, I didn't know I could do that. No, I can. Yeah. So, I um, I love about the original books is just the type of spells that you're given. Because although there's a few spells like lightning and fireball, some of them are just these really weird things like, yeah. uh, like gum to create glue. And you need a vial of glue. And yeah. Stick people you to can, the ceiling. You can stick it? people yeah. to the ceiling, yeah. So it's just really amusing. Okay, well, we'll just sort of sign off with, basically, you've got it on iOS devices. I've played the first one on iPad 1, yeah. um, and the second one is actually on my brand new uh, iPhone 5S. Ooh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, it's only about a couple of weeks old, actually. Um, <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, I've experienced the game on an iPad. Let's see how it plays on an iPhone. So I remember, John, you were telling me you actually quite liked it in that smaller screen because it seemed to be more of an intimate sort of like an immediate experience. And I seem to I actually empathize with that but, you know, view. It's a, it seems to be more, I get more drawn into the phone. Uh, yeah, I almost missed my stop on the way home today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it! Um, but uh, yeah, it works really well on, on the 5S, by the way. Um, but like you wouldn't. Um, had you have any? Have you had any problems with Quantron's machines or anything like that? Apart from the one yeah. you're telling me about, the memory issues. Yeah, the, the I mean, Apple have always been very good about having only a few devices you've got a trial, but they're they're beginning to lose that a little bit. So mm. suddenly there are a lot of devices we need to try. Yeah. Uh, the weirdest one is that I think we still have most problems on the iPad 3 um, because for the technical reason that it, it it was the first one with the retina screen, but it didn't really have the brains to deal with it. So it struggles. iPad oh, yeah. 2s are much better than iPad 3s and iPad 4s, though they're all called iPad 2s by Apple. Mm. Um, <laughs> They're, they're better again. So we have to be a bit careful with that. And, and of course, the air is, you know, that's... that's yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very, very <coughs> yeah. And we've been trying really hard to make sure we keep supporting iPhone 3 
whatever they were called. Three, uh, 3GS. 3GS, yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, it still does work on 3GS, which, yeah, is, which is yeah. quite good. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it feels like the sort of game that should be available to, to the full range of devices. We're not, mm. we're not pushing the 3D graphics mm. that hard, though, actually. The texture, the, the map texture is quite big and, and mm. does push it quite hard. Mm. But no, so far, most of the problems we've had have been through our own stupidity <laughs> rather than through yeah. anything wrong with the hardware. Um, but yeah. <laughs> okay. And you're going to go over to Android? Yes. Our Android port is being worked on by a, a very savvy friend of ours who's uh, ex-Google. He's had a hell of a time getting it to run. Um, we've seen the first build so far, which is looking quite respectable now. Um, we hope to have it out on uh, Google Play, Kindle Fire, and other associated platforms, as, as we think of them, in the first week of December. That's not official yet, but that's the that's the goal. We want it out that's at a, the end of the year. That'll be good because there's there's a ton of Android machines out there. Mm, uh, yeah, I'm sure appreciate. Yeah. And um, but that's the you're focusing on those handhelds. Any others? Or I'm still sort of leading on to Vista and that sort of stuff. I asked you this before, I think, and you said that'll be nice, but. Is it you just? I say it's. I mean, there's a vast audience for these machines, but any thoughts of any other platforms? You're just going to focus on three and four. I think the problem is, if it's a choice between porting it to a platform and making more games, we'd always rather make more games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not in the short term, no. Mm. I mean, we're kind of eyeing up Unity as a as a potential way to allow us to hit multiple platforms at once. But I mean, right now. Um, iOS and Android, you know, they, they account for the lion's share of, uh, well, mo- mobile devices, not including the Vita and, and you know, real gaming systems. But um, uh, should we want to move on to kind of uh, experiences that suit consoles better, then we'll definitely be looking at technology like Unity to allow us to do that. Yeah. One of these days, it would be nice to go back and make a console yeah. game that we can feel proud of. Yeah, absolutely. that never quite happened. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, you can be proud of Sorcery, and uh, I, I really do enjoy it. And like I said, I got lost in it on the way home today. It was quite, quite funny. Um, so all I can say is thank you both for your time. Thank you. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in making parts three and four. Because there's little gaps in the, in the in the opening. I understand part three. Don't tell me when. You're probably I'm saying a year, maybe two before we see it. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but because the amount of content you poured into two, it's just stunning. So, but it is available out now on iOS devices, and uh, we've just heard. Hopefully, by the end of the year for Android on Google Play, etc. What sort of devices? Or Jelly Bean and above, and that sort of stuff? Or do you know? Yeah, we're we're kind of looking at uh, probably uh, 4.0 and above. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the only way it's going to work for me. That was my old phone back in the day. So um, it's now sold on eBay. Hurrah! Um, so uh, that'll be that. And thanks, John and Joe, for for, for joining us. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.